0: Welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero. And today we're gonna dive into the world of youth sports and speak with leaders who are making an impact in their communities. From coaches to program directors and beyond, we'll explore the latest trends, issues, and solutions in the world of youth sports. But before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics. Their game changing team swag stores are designed to make youth and travel sports programs feel like the big leagues. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, I have special guest Doug Louie. Doug, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Always good to talk about the
0: game. Yeah. And, um, Just for a little background for our listeners, you have a really uh, incredible resume. You've been involved in numerous facets of Canada's national sport, which a lot of us Americans don't know is lacrosse. Um, You were a Hall of Famer in the Canadian uh, Lacrosse Hall of Fame. You were nominated as a builder. You've done a lot for the game internationally, provincially, and for for Canada. You had a 20-year veteran coaching career. You were VP for the junior to major um, series on the OLA Board of Directors. Uh, you were chair on the CLA Board of Directors, uh, a life member of the Whitby Minor Lacrosse. You received the OLA Presidential Award. You were decorated with the CLA Recognition Award for service to the game and received the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal. And most recently, you became the head of Major Series Lacrosse, which signatures the official ball of. And uh, through that, we've become uh, close with the CLA. And um, I think our good friend Terry Rollin was the one who originally introduced us all um, when we became the official ball of the CLA. And then we were introduced to, to you and then started working together with Major Series Lacrosse. So incredible background um do you think you've done enough doug
1: well thanks very (laughs) much for listening that all out i got tired thinking about all the years (laughs) that i spent at it and the the different portfolios i've had uh i've i've enjoyed every minute of it i've I've never looked at it as a chore was something i wanted wanted to wake up every day and, and uh work towards growing the game. A lot of people talk, you know, say, grow the game, grow the game. But I think you have to actually get in and get your hands dirty to, to achieve anything. And hopefully I've made, uh, made the game a little better along the way.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. And that's really the essence of this podcast. It's obviously called the Grow the Game podcast. And what we really want to do is, is bottle up what's worked for programs uh, in Canada, in the U.S., internationally what's worked to grow those programs or grow the game in those areas. And what are the one to three real, the secret sauce that we can help uh, give other program directors that are trying to build the sport. And um, a lot of these ideas end up transcending just the sport of lacrosse. And sometimes it's a, a football program can use this idea or a baseball program or whatever the sport is just more kids playing sports is a good thing, I think. So uh I'm excited to learn a little bit of more. Do you want to give us a little bit of background? How did you get involved in the sport originally?
1: Yeah, I think uh, like most uh, Canadian young men, um, we uh, we enter into sports and hockey becomes, you know, the first one that comes to mind. And, you know, most most young men in Canada play hockey and skate at one point in time and, I, uh, I was very fortunate. Um, I had three older brothers to play, play lacrosse, and we lived not far from an outdoor box. And uh, back in those days, there was no uh, organized lacrosse for the very young ages. And I ended up playing against my brother, who's five years older, and with him for a number of years until uh, till a, the younger groups got going, so, uh, That's cool. you, I'm like we sure. you know them today.
0: I'm sure it kicked your butt.
1: Oh, absolutely. Up until I was a teenager, I think I took a beat. And so uh, we, we often commits about that uh, when we get together. It's uh, how, you know, involved we both were in the game. My brother closest to me in age and two of those brothers, not so much. They had our, we uh, It's like fish stories, stories. You know, yeah. the, the one goal a game is growing to three goals a game and the eight-inch fish is now 16 inches. So yeah, it's, uh, it's
0: been a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, I grew up with an older brother and then we had two adopted brothers in the house. And um just something I I'm feel incredibly grateful for. I wouldn't be nearly as good of an athlete or as, as resilient as I am if I didn't get my butt handed to me all growing <laughs> up.
1: Yeah, I think it was a real advantage to me to uh, to play against my brother and uh, his, his players his age uh, at a younger age. Um, you either had to run fast or have a, a better skill set or be able to defend yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you pick up the sport growing up. Your brothers kind of introduce you to the game, and then where did the sport take you from there? How did you end up involved with the CLA?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, I played, uh, midget box lacrosse, uh, in, uh, in St. Catharines in Port Dalhousie, um, until junior age. And I played a bit of junior in St. Catharines and, uh, like most young men, um, I had, uh, I didn't have an opportunity to uh, to go post-secondary education, so I started looking for a job, and I was very, very fortunate to get a, a job in General Motors in Oshawa, which is about a two-hour drive from uh, where I grew up. And uh, I moved to Oshawa uh, primarily for work, but um, I was in the plant one night, and the general manager of the Greengales came down and saw me and said, why aren't you playing lacrosse? And I told him, I said, you know, I'll get two weeks of days, two weeks of nights. It's pretty hard to commit to a team. And, uh, he said, let me look after that. So I didn't work very much, many night shifts after that. I, uh, ah. I ended up joining the green Gales organization and played for, uh, you know, in my opinion, probably the greatest coach of all time box lacrosse. That's Mr. Jim Bishop. And, uh, wow. once you become a green gale, you're green gale for life. And, uh, it uh, you know took me through the balance of my junior career. And by that time, um, starting a young family and, and commitment to work, I didn't play a lot of senior lacrosse, um, but I still wanted to be involved in the game. So I started coaching at a very, very young age and uh, I was fortunate to have you know a couple of really good teams and uh, even more for, fortunate to have many of those players um that are still part of my life today and still involved in the game and and that's That's probably the most uh, most rewarding thing is to is to make those lifelong friends of players to your coach and be invited to their weddings and their uh christenings of their children and to their to their kids it's 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 been been quite a ride
0: well it sounds like you had a really big impact and uh you knew that you were going to have that impact. So um, I think a lot of coaches, sometimes there's coaches that overlook how, how big of an impact they have on a kid's life. And I think it's really equivalent, at least in my world, it was equivalent to to the impact my father had on me. So a coach really makes an incredible impression and um, to be asked to be some of your, your former players, uh, their kid's godfather and and be a part of these christenings. That's amazing. So I have some coaches in my life that are, hold a very special spot like that. And um, it doesn't come easy to earn that title. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of patience. It's a lot of uh,
1: being yeah, I think would be remiss if, if I didn't mention the Jim Bishop again because he, he had that influence on me. And, you know, it, I never really understood um, why he picked me. To take under his wing and and mentor me, Um, I certainly wasn't a great lacrosse player, and uh, I I had to learn an awful lot about coaching through him. But for some reason, he decided that uh, I was worthy of his time and and his mentorship, and and, it meant the world to me.
0: Yeah, I think coaches have a unique way of seeing what's what you're capable of before you even see it sometimes. And um, I was just talking with a guy. Uh, who was like a gym, but to me, his name's Andrew Bolger. He's down here in South Florida, and um, he was saying, I, "I was, I don't know why you picked me." Same thing. I was saying, "I don't know why I was a bad kid. I was a pretty good athlete, but it wasn't like I was, you know, going to be a tour time winner." And um, he said, "It was, it was. He could see that I wanted to be great. He didn't know if it was going to be lacrosse or what it was going to be, but he could see it, and that's what kind of drew him. And I think coaches just have that unique." perspective where they've seen so many kids and when they when they see someone that they really believe can have a big impact and they can mentor that out of them um, I think they really grab a hold and I, I've noticed it now coaching there's certain kids I gravitate more towards and I always try to treat everybody equal but there's certain kids where you're like man I know I can I can unlock a lot of potential for this for this guy if I can just get him to believe in himself or get him to um, take that next step whatever it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, brothers that played the game, parents that supported my playing, and a number of really yeah. good coaches and good people in the game that make you want to give back. And 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 I always looked at not the uh, the top three players in the team, I always looked at the bottom three and said, What can I do to make our team better by improving their skill set and making them want to compete? The willingness to to compete is probably the most important thing in an athlete is the actual
0: willingness to put in the work and put in the time. They gotta want it for sure, for sure. Um, so to bring it all the way back for for all of our um, listeners that are on this side of the border, uh, can you give a little background to Junior A, Junior B? You're now uh, the commissioner of major series lacrosse. I know there's the four big cups. Um, can you color in kind of what the landscape looks like up there? Yeah, I um,
1: should, should correct you. I, I apologize for doing this. I should have done it ahead of time. But um, I, I am no longer the commissioner of Major Series of but still heavily involved uh, in helping um, the, the new commissioner and uh, carry forward uh, some of the things we've done over the last five years. We've made a lot of progress in Major Series of Cross, as you're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to see that fall by the wayside. I think in in administrative jobs in across a five-year window is pretty good bogey. You know, spend five years in each portfolio, and yeah. after a while, people turn to you and you have it anyhow, so it's uh, better to, if you want to stay involved, pick up a different portfolio. But yeah. really, really enjoyed our relationship with Signature and, uh, and the, the growth that we did manage through a pandemic and major serious costs. It's been really good. But uh, to go back to, uh, to box lacrosse and its growth, um, when you – nowadays, um, you know, we, we have lacrosse starting for both boys and girls at a very, very young age. We have, you know, paperweight lacrosse or peanut lacrosse, you want to call it that, um, for three- and four-year-olds. and. Uh, wow organize lacrosse with you know with coaching and uh, games played and then you progress through uh, you know what what is now called you know U7, U9, U11, U13, U15, U17, U21 Uh, and in in lacrosse Canada each province or member association uh, competes for provincial championships at the At the representative level, um, and also have house leagues. And uh, there's a national championship for um, U13, U15, U17. I'm too used to calling the old names, which, if you incorrect nowadays, but uh, I'll, I'll try and get the numbers right. And and there is a national championship once a year for uh, both uh, boys and girls' uh, box lacrosse. Um, It's been very successful over the last 20 years. Um, But there's always been uh, a Junior B national championship uh, for what's called the the, uh, Founders' Cup. Uh, A Junior A, which is the next level up in junior, It competes for the Minnow Cup, which is a very prestigious uh, championship for box lacrosse. There's also a President's Cup for Senior B lacrosse, which is uh, for the players (coughs) that are still trying to compete uh, and make it to the National Lacrosse League or PLL or, you know, represent the country, their country. Um, And then probably... Major series of lacrosse, along with uh, the Western Lacrosse Association, compete for the Man Cup, which is the highest level of lacrosse, amateur lacrosse in Canada. And uh, Ontario has been, you know, been has won the Man Cup the last past four years. The Peterborough Lakers, um, which their lineup is made okay. up of. You know, 95% of them are players playing in the National Lacrosse League. And the West is, uh, has been catching up real, real quick in the last few years. Um, in, the, in the last four years, as ever, uh, and the score in game seven. And Peterborough pulls out in the the last period of game seven to win their fourth straight man cup. Um, So it's 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 competitive. uh, Yeah.
0: And I think as a, uh, a guy who grew up playing the sport in Florida and I picked it up in eighth grade, I didn't have any idea about Junior A, Junior B, the Minto Cup, the Man Cup, the Founder Cup, the President's Cup. It was only when I uh, went and played at St. John's and uh, we had a couple Canadian guys from the Hill on the team. And all of a sudden they started telling me about this box lacrosse, which I had actually not even really known. I'd heard of it, but I didn't didn't really know what it was. Um, And I I wish I did, because after playing it, oh, my gosh, it is like basketball and lacrosse mixed together. It is so much fun. The up and down. uh, You're encouraged to take shots which is a very rare thing in field lacrosse. So um, I've been a big believer shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. That's what I tell the kids that I coach and uh, box lacrosse seems to perpetuate that. So it's really nice. Um, so how many of these cups have you been a coach or a player um, on a team in one? Um,
1: I've been involved in the... Uh... In the Founders Cup in Junior B, the Middle Cup in Junior A, um, and the Man Cup in Senior A, but uh, never involved in the President's Cup, um, other than as an administrator from Lacrosse La Canada at that time, Canadian Lacrosse Association, but uh, directly involved in, in three of them. Wow. It's, That's uh, an amazing career. Yeah, it's it, there's U.S. U.S. is uh, f- uh, outside the NCAA or, or colleges across. Um, they're more club based, uh, whereas in Canada, they're organization based within their communities, um, and uh, they. I, I, I see it changing slightly and 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 going the. Uh, two different approaches are kind of combining right now with club level versus, uh, versus city level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think in, um, in the U S it's interesting, the the path that you described, you grow up, you pick up the sport three, four years old, you play you nine, you 11, you 13. And then all of a sudden you're on this platform where if, if you're a really good player, if you're a player that can really help build a team, you have a chance to compete on a really big stage with a lot of other kids your age for a national championship. Um, That is exists in, in the U S in basketball uh, through the AAU in football um, through pop Warner and the, and the FedEx league. um, And I think a number of other sports, but those two, I'm pretty familiar with. We do not have that in lacrosse. So in lacrosse, just like you were saying, you know, you you grow up playing rec, um, but then there's a travel program and then there's your high school team. And a lot of times all three of those are completely disconnected. So they're teaching different terminology. They're teaching different. Um, some people teach plays. Some people teach, uh, you know, set offenses, just like formations to play out of. Uh, some people think one way is better. Some people think another way is better. Um, and so I think just that lacrosse has kind of started with that really strong foundation in Canada it's interesting to see that some of it is becoming privatized um but I think that's probably a function of those kids trying to come to to U.S. um tournaments to maybe get seen for a college scholarship or something is that what absolutely
1: it's uh I think US lacrosse has done a really good job of starting to promote that regional and will be headed towards national championships at uh, at all levels um, in the not too distant future. Um, at one time, you know, lacrosse in the U.S. was Eastern Seaboard only, um, started out Ivy League schools and has expanded and expanded. And especially in the last few years, uh, probably since Denver joined the NCAA in lacrosse, uh, it's moving to the West Coast, uh, yeah. both, both field and box lacrosse. You must notice that, obviously, in the business that, uh, that you're in, that uh, it's expanding at a pretty rapid pace.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really nice to see. Um so on this show, one of the main things that we do um is we talk about the one to three big needle moving um ideas that you executed that kind of helped you grow the sport or or grow uh major series lacrosse, whichever one really comes to mind. Um I know you've done so much. So, uh the point of it is, how can we share some of these uh amazing things that you've done to grow the sport with other program directors in the U S and Canada internationally and help really give a path for people to grow their program or grow the sport in their area?
1: Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, that although those of us that are involved in the game of lacrosse are are extremely passionate about the game and it's, you know, um, you don't join lacrosse, lacrosse joins you um and it sticks with you for life and i think that we are terrible at marketing our game we have a great game but we do not market the game well we we can't find that room full of really smart people that know how to market lacrosse uh, the other sports have done that you know especially you know the four major sports going to keep that following and we've never been able to get close to the, to the four major sports. Um, Yeah. And I think their biggest opportunity and the, the tool that I use um, when I'm trying to introduce new Canadians or people new to the sport is the history itself. Um, And by that, I mean the indigenous uh, community and the first nations and what, They've been managed to do with the sport. Um, I mean, they they theoretically are the owners of the sport, the grassroots of the sport, from transition from the field game, you know, 200 years ago to where it is now. And we were very successful locally in getting into the schools uh, to grades one through three and show them pictures and show them equipment um, through the years of, uh, of how the games evolved. And uh, when you see a, a, a child in grade two, their mouth drop when you show them a picture of the equipment yeah. as it was and how it was, you know, village versus village to settle disputes between territories or any disputes for that matter. Um, and explain it to them and communicate the, what the game meant to uh, the Indigenous people. It's It's been very, very beneficial for us um, to grow the sport uh, and grow the numbers. And by that I mean registration. So, you know, we seem to be focusing on representative programs right now as, as opposed to what I call House League. Um, When you pick up a lacrosse stick, and you know this yourself, that uh, you throw a ball against the wall 100 times, and you miss it 99 times, and you catch it the 100th time, it doesn't take you 100 times to catch it again. If you get a stick and a ball into a a child's hands and let them go through that process, that's my opinion of how you grow the game. You want them to be able to catch it two out of a hundred the second time around, and then three until they can catch 99, but nobody's going to catch a hundred because nobody's perfect.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it sounds like the history of the game as a way of kind of capturing their imagination and then really just sticks in hands, balls in hands and just showing them the process that every great player goes through hit a wall Every player, great, not great, hit the wall, and it's the best feedback you're ever gonna get. You throw a good pass, it throws a good pass back, you don't, it doesn't, and you just keep going through that that process.
1: Yep, and you know, even when you don't throw a very good pass or it hits a corner of a brook a brick and goes sideways, you chase after it, and that's what the game's all about.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you think it is about um the history of the sport that's that just captures the imagination, unlike uh, some of the other sports.
1: Well, I, th- I think uh, the indigenous community, you know, it's becoming more and more everyday news now of of what's uh, what, what they've had to endure uh, since uh, the Europeans arrived in North America. And uh, yeah. one of the tools I use is a map of all of the actual territories. Uh, which we call reservations nowadays um, in the different peoples. And and they all play a different, they've all play across. They all play a little slightly different game through the, you know, decades and centuries. House rules. And, uh, it, 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 and uh, you know, I don't think many people realize how many different cultures within the indigenous community there were. And, you uh, I mean, I happened to be in Williamsburg about 10 years ago, and I saw two guys throwing a ball back and forth with this really strange-looking stick. And I went over and talked to them about it because I am involved in the game of so they, yeah. they started telling me about this story about the game they play in their state, you know, in their wow. community. And I thought, how amazing is that? Like, people need to know this stuff. Yeah. You know, And I I think as a marketing tool, as I said before, it's, it's, you know, very interesting. We're we're all about unification and doing everything the same way all the time. Well, maybe that's not the best way to, to go about it.
0: Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I've actually never heard. I knew that there were a couple variations of it. I didn't realize how many variations there are. And Um, It makes sense because the the cultures were really like speaking their own languages and having their own identity and their own culture. And so it would make sense that if they saw the game or if they got introduced to the game somehow, they would kind of tweak it to make sense for their community. Um, I know me and my brother would grow up, we we would make up games left and right. And every time we made up the game, even if it was the same game, it had new rules all of a sudden, And just depending on who was the one who said, like, hey, let's play. So it makes sense that it would evolve that way. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, these two fellows that I talked to were uh, were quite interested in, in talking to me about what I knew about the Canadian box game because it's something that was new to them. And and I think that the, there's a story to be told there and – and I just found that using that as a tool to uh, to introduce new people to the game was, was very valuable.
0: Yeah, definitely captures the imagination for sure. And then the introduction, I think that like next step from capturing the imagination to them actually then going and, and falling in love with the game is it's such an important step. And a lot of times I know for me, my first step was uh, full pads going out and, and playing. And when I now introduce kids to the sport, I never do it that way. Because when you put on those gloves and the elbow pads and the helmet, all of a sudden it gets so much harder to throw and catch and everything, right? So we've kind of adopted this. Um, we do these first year player clinics and uh, it's always three on three with a softball. That's the format. And we do like um, relay races and we do like, um, all these like fun drills just to get kids like falling in love with it. And then the next step, we, we take them to this like three on three with a softball format where uh, one kid drops in and plays goalie. So it's always a three on two. And it's just a lot more touches. that's no pads. Um, and then we evolve them into the pads. And just from growing up playing football in South Florida, it's, football is, is king. You don't start at tackle football. You start with flag football. And then you yeah, kind yeah. of evolve into it. And and all of a sudden it's a lot easier to have fun and, and see some success when you're in full, full pads, because you're kind of used to it. I think that's one of the opportunities for lacrosse is, is that, that transition into the game. And I think that's where like the box format is a really, a really valuable format.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, you, you, you would ask me to come up with two or three things that I think were important in, in, uh, continuing to grow the game. And, uh, you know, we've, we've obviously talked about the, um, the culture and the history of the game. Now, I think, you know, the communication of that story is important, but everything starts, you know, with the, with the bad part of the story. And one of the problems we've had in the game is the perception of whether it's safe or not. And it's pretty hard to get uh, parents thrilled about putting their kids into the game of lacrosse um, when they see it's probably the only game outside of Highline in Ireland where you're allowed to hit somebody with a stick, mm-hmm. and uh, the perception is not very accurate. Uh, there are studies that have been done to prove that if you wear all of your equipment and you wear it properly, lacrosse is – you're less likely to get hurt in lacrosse than you are jogging or riding a bike. And um, wow. I don't think we do, do a real good job of um, communicating that to potential lacrosse players and their families. Um, the, uh, the hospitals and health federations all keep that kind of data. It's readily available um, uh, for the public consumption. Yeah. I, think, I think we need to do a better job um, when we're trying to attract new people to the game to say it's really a lot safer and growing up playing uh, baseball hockey and football I honestly believe that lacrosse is the safest game I ever played mostly yeah. be, mostly because um, and I evolved from equipment too I started playing with out a mask I mean, yeah that's when I started playing um, but uh the reason I say it's safer is because you're on the balls of your feet and you have control over your movements and wearing much better protective equipment now than there was back in the day. Um, yeah. look, at, look at a box goaltender from 1960 uh, to today's NL goalies, and uh, there's there's quite a difference, and I'm not, little, saying,
0: yeah, and the balls I mean, even the balls, how much that has been innovated and how much more control there is over the manufacturing process and the consistency of the hardness of the ball. I know back when you were first starting to play, the balls were like rocks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I have, i watched your, uh, your video and I, I found your story of hitting, taking the ball in the back off the post pretty interesting compared to, um, you know, there was a major difference between box balls and field balls and, um, and you know, Signature should be very proud of its product because I think it's an excellent uh, lacrosse ball. Um, one of the exercises I go through with our teams is I ask them how what the size of a lacrosse ball is and what it weighs, and I you know they never they never know the answer. Um, yeah. But when I kill them, I say you can't expect to play this game if you're not a student of the game. The first thing you should know is lacrosse ball is your tool. It's like a plumber's wrench. You need to know what you're playing with. Yeah. And, uh, they should all be the same. You know, while you throw the greasers off the floor and you know you, you use new balls because you want the consistency in the play. Absolutely. So, so I think the safety aspect is is pretty important. Um, like I said, when I started playing. Um, there was no such thing as a face mask. We did have mouth guards from hockey, but they were the old style that uh, were plastic caps that fit over top of your face and knocked all your teeth out. <laughs> not just one or two, if, if you're hit. So uh, the cages made a big difference. And I think the third most important thing, if, if not the first, probably should be first, is Nobody gets involved in anything, any sport, or any activity, or and stays with it unless it's fun. And you hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago when you talked about mixing up your intros with, you know, tug of war and different games you can play to break up. No kid wants to go to uh, a lacrosse practice and do shuttle passes for an hour and a half
0: and get yelled at for missing the pass or or throwing a bad pass. Yeah.
1: You know, that that should be an eight to ten minute drill that you do every practice because it's an important part of the game. Throw passes, hide and stick side, etc. You have to mix it up too. Then you have to throw it away from the body low, you know, to, to improve the skill set. Then yeah. you break up the practice by having a tug of war, the offense against the defense, putting a goalie at each end, tying a rope on them, stuff like that, so that kids want to go to practice. Yeah they want to learn the game in every part of it but if you yell and scream um, those coaches are gone now we now have coaches that are highly skilled we're highly skilled players yeah and good role models and i think that's that's more important
0: i couldn't agree more with you i i agree it's it's definitely the number one for me is um just to, giving kids a, a passion for the sport, and and it really starts with having fun. And sports should be all about fun. That's what it was originally when sports were created. It's a good time. It was to go have fun. When you played, when I played, it's we played because we loved it. Um, and I think that sometimes that gets overlooked. Um, but I think it's it's starting to be a real focal point. And I think my generation, the generation after me, um, we were fortunate to have coaches that, that really cared about us. And um, they might've had an older school kind of mentality or approach. And now being able to adopt that same level of, of care for your players and and truly like looking after them, but also making it fun and making it uh, something that kids are going to really fall in love with. And I think we're fortunate to have, the the way paved by people like you and um Brian Bone who connected us and Terry Rowland and just some incredible people that have really done a lot to um to put the game into a place where it can really become one of the major sports
1: yeah I, I think we're headed in the right direction i think that you know the governing bodies have done a lot of good work in the last 20 years to get the sport moving forward and we're on the verge of getting into the olympics which would be you know, the ultimate for a lot of people in lacrosse. But to go back to, you know, grassroots lacrosse, an example I use when I talk to people is when I was, you know, between the ages of five and 12, 20 of us all had lacrosse sticks. And we all went down to the park um, and we brought, carried old hockey nets with us and we played shirts and skins with no referees, no equipment, and no organization, we played for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got taken to the hospital, and um, you didn't leave that field until you called in for dinner.
0: Yeah, that is great. I have a lot of those memories playing pickup football and and pickup basketball. Um, and I see it now. A lot of the the kids in in our area in Tampa, the sports grown so much. A lot of them have four by four goals in the backyard and they bring them to parks. And, um, it's always cool to see it is just brings you back. It's so much fun.
1: Nothing more rewarding than, uh, driving your car down the road and seeing a couple of kids carrying lacrosse sticks in their hand.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I really appreciate you coming onto the show. Um, how can some of our listeners stay in touch with you, follow along your journey? Um, where's the best place for them to, to stay in touch?
1: Probably through the Green Gales website. There's contact pages on there. And, uh, you know, anyone in major series lacrosse, you know, all the clubs still know how to get a hold of me. And uh, I'm uh, I'm usually pretty visible during the summer. And uh, I, uh, I don't plan on going away anywhere, but uh, I'm getting a little older. and I, I, uh, Priorities change a little bit. Looking forward to this trip to the Czech Republic. And
0: we'll see where it goes from there. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all you've done to help grow the game. And um, we really appreciate having you on the podcast.
1: All right. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it. And best of luck to the, the upcoming season.
0: Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. We hope you found our conversation with our guest insightful and thought-provoking. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And of course, a big thanks to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics, for their continued support of this podcast and their dedication to making new sports programs feel like the big leagues. Be sure to check out their game-changing team swag stores to elevate your program's look and feel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Signature Grow the Game podcast.